y'all. Welcome back to another episode of the Literary Latte Podcast. I'm your host, Brandon. And I'm Katie. And we are back to discuss a new book. Katie, are you excited? I'm so excited. This was my pick. It was Katie's pick. Yes. We had a good fluffy romance after the depressive episode that Magnolia Parks put me in. I would argue, although this was fluffy, it did have a lot of sad moments. But, you know, it it was a journey, I would say, this book. The book we're talking about that Katie picked is In the Likely Event by Rebecca Yaros, the writer of the magnificent, wonderful Adele Nazim Fourth Wing. The wickedly (laughs) talented... What a throwback. Uh, what a throwback. Gotta love that moment. Oh, John Travolta. Um, <laughs> but yes, Katie chose this book. And I have to say, overall, I was happy with this book. I thought it was a solid read. Definitely had a lot of emotions. And like, it took a minute for me to really get into it. But when I did get into it, I was into it. I would agree. I did the audiobook for this one. And that was really fun because it had both a male and female narrator because the chapters switch off between the main characters' points of view. So I I think that kind of helped listening to the book, you know, having those two different voices as well. Oh, I could imagine. Yeah, because it came free, the audiobook, when you Mm -hmm. get it on the Kindle. But um, I don't know. I just like reading on my Kindle just such a mood you know i feel that i actually recently learned that you can download fanfics to your kindle so i did that there's a really well-known um harry potter fanfic that is a hermione granger draco malfoy ship called manacles or manacle i think it's manacles um yeah it's super long but i put that on my on my kindle so now i can read it i'm gonna read this at some point it's really good so far it's really intense it's kind of like harry potter meets the handmaid's tale oh my god yeah it's intense but it's very good all right well look at that so if anyone wants to read that katie's about to yeah i started Um, it with that being said let's get started katie you prepared a summary for this book would you like to read it or did you want me to read it? Oh, I can read it. I didn't send it to you. so. <laughs> I mean, you could send it to me now, but I'm fine with you reading it, of course. I'll just read it. It's okay. Okay. We good. All right. The summary for In the Likely Event. When Izzy Astor gets on a plane to go home, she isn't expecting much. It's the usual holiday travel experience. Busy, crowded, and stressful. Then she spots her seatmate who is anything but ordinary. Nathan, uh, whatever you say his last name, is it Phelan? I went back and forth. I think I just settled on Felon. Felon, okay. Nathan Felon sports dark hair, blue eyes, and a deliciously rugged charm that Izzy can't resist. Their connection is undeniable. Izzy never believed in destiny before, but she does now. Just 90 seconds after takeoff, their plane goes down in the Missouri River. Nate saves Izzy's life by getting her the medical attention she needs. But unfortunately, 
Nate being on his way to basic training, the military personnel that were sent to collect him wouldn't let him wait for Izzy to get out of surgery. It'll be years before they reconnect by chance on Tybee Island. Izzy decides to stay an extra day to spend time reconnecting with Nate. Their feelings are immediately rekindled, but despite a few more chance and planned encounters over the years, the timing never feels right for Nate, who firmly believes they'll only have one shot to get their relationship right. After things come to a head in New York and they have a falling out, Izzy and Nate go their separate ways. Their lives change. They change. Nate goes on to a career in the military with his best friend Torres by his side, while Izzy finds her way into politics. Then comes a high-stakes reunion in Afghanistan, where Nate is tasked with protecting Izzy's life while Izzy searches for her sister, Serena, a journalist, a photojournalist, rather, covering the situation in Afghanistan. Despite the fact that Izzy turned down Nate's proposals years before, and that she's now wearing another man's engagement ring, he'll do anything to keep her safe. Their time in Afghanistan turns out to be the longest stretch of time they've ever been together. Emotions rise as the situation continues to deteriorate. Nate is desperate to get Izzy out of the country, but Izzy refuses to leave without her sister. In a final last-ditch effort, Nate and his team of special forces force excuse me Nate and his team of special force soldiers leave Izzy to find Serena and her interpreter. They manage to get them both back seconds before the last plane takes off. Izzy and Serena leave Afghanistan, leaving Nate behind to an uncertain fate. Having Izzy back in his life during their time in Afghanistan helped Nate realize that he's done with being in the special forces, that he was only there because of his best friend, Torres. Nate goes to see a psychiatrist, knowing that once he admits that he's been talking to his best friend for years as a coping mechanism, his best friend, who's been dead for four years, he'll be kicked out of the unit. Izzy and Nate are finally reunited on the plane to the Maldives, a vacation they had planned together years ago. Having both quit their jobs in favor of new adventures, they're both finally ready to take their shot and be together. Look at that happy ending. (laughs) I love this book. It was so predictable, but so good. It was, but also... I'll be real. I thought someone was gonna die. I that's what I thought. Like I thought either. Well, technically, Nate, someone did die. Well, Torres, but we didn't really know Torres. But like, I thought either. I, Nate, I cried when you found out it was Torres. Yeah, I found Torres was dead. Interesting. Yeah, I cried. I mean, <laughs> I wasn't happy, but I wasn't like. <laughs> It was no I didn't, like, sob, but I, like, I he wasn't, but he still was, like, a good friend of Nate's, and, like, there is a lot in that point, because you think, you don't know for sure, like, Nate's fate when Izzy and Serena leave, and so it's like this, is he actually still alive, and so you have, like, that emotion, and then you find out he is alive, but then he's going to go get help for his mental health. And then he admits that, like, you find out that Torres has actually been dead this whole time. 
So there was a lot of emotions in those like two chapters towards the end. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it was like relief of Serena having made it to the plane and her being okay and the sisters reunited and then Nate also being okay and finally coming to terms with it. And then like, there's just so much that I'd like tears, not a lot, but like enough bawling. that I like had to wipe them away. Not bawling. I don't know why I just cracked my knuckles. Oh, Katie's like, I would, I didn't fucking ball and just crack jungles. Like, you want to go? <laughs> um, I think at one point I did get a little emotional. I think it was more when like Izzy was on the plane at the end and we didn't know whether Serena made it or not, mm-hmm. her sister. Yeah. So that part, I feel like this was a good book and I liked it. I wouldn't say I loved mm-hmm. it like Katie did, but I did like it. Like, I thought it was a solid choice and I enjoyed reading it. There was no part where mm-hmm. I was just like, Oh my gosh, why am I reading this? Like, it was good. Um, I I feel like just with these types of books and what Katie would deem this as a traditional romance novel, Mm -hmm. I feel like the the whole book, it's so much back and forth. And then there's this buildup and it's just so much like, what's going to happen? And then at the end, it's just like, oh yeah, we're together. And we're living happily ever after on a farm. I mean, I don't want the farm part, but like, don't you want the happy ever after? Like you go through this and then you like find someone to stick by your side? Of course, in real life. In my books, I don't not want a happily ever after. I just feel like, I don't know. It's just a quick jump from what was happening. So it always like jars me a little bit. Just like, okay, we're good. Cool. But, you know, I did like that they were both alive because I like both the characters. So I didn't want Mm -hmm. anyone to die. But I did ask Katie when we had lunch before we saw Beetlejuice. I asked her because she had finished it and I was like halfway through. I was just like, do you think there will be like another book? And she said no. And that also made me think like, oh, maybe someone died. But no one died. And there's also no need for another book. Unless they do one where it's like they skip to the future and it's about their children or something. I don't know. I feel like some books do that, but it's not. It's not. And that's why I like this kind of book because it the full story is encompassed in the one book and you just it's predictable. Like I said, I but that's like I feel like the last couple books that we've done have been like obviously Magnolia Parks was very toxic and everything around that. And that book just made me sad. Um And then, of course, like Fourth Wing was after, before that, and that was just a phenomenal book. But it is like a very long, like, I think there's supposed to be like five books in that series. Mm-hmm. So that's like a long haul book. Um, and so I felt like what we needed was a one book, full story included, fluffy, predictable, just like feel good read. I With agree. With some spice. A little bit of spice. There was a little bit. There wasn't. There was no fourth wing, but there was a little bit. Yeah. It could <laughs> use a little level. more spice. <laughs> but there was a little bit. There was I some... feel like I've converted you to spice. Like I feel like before fourth wing that you weren't really into that. Before I was nothing but just like a teaspoon of salt. And now <laughs> I'm a tablespoon of paprika. <laughs> Bring me the spice. <laughs> Not even cayenne, just paprika. Paprika. Which one's uh, spicier? Is it cayenne or paprika? Oh, cayenne. Paprika oh. is more like smoky. Oh, yeah. Cayenne is, I want to switch to cayenne, actually, because I hate smoky. So forget that. I'm a tablespoon of cayenne. I like it. Um, I'll send you some fanfics and get some real level of spice. 
He's like, oh my gosh, look at this Harry Potter fan package. If Malfoy <laughs> and Hermione got together. <laughs> it's good. It's some very creative authors in the fanfic realm. Like some of them are bad. And then some of them are very, they're very well done. I love that. You know, maybe. We'll see if I get to that level. But um, yeah, overall though, good book, solid book. We do have some questions. We do. And I feel like I feel like Katie added most of these, but I added a couple. And I feel like there's not as many as Magnolia Parks, but I feel like these really cover a lot and we can like go off of these and mm-hmm. we'll like go to other things and we can always think of more if we can on the top of our heads. But the first one we have written down, if the plane hadn't crashed, would Izzy and Nate still have fallen in love? Katie, what do you think? I think they probably would have. Maybe it would not have felt as intense. Because I think this kind of goes into the next question, but like, I think there is an aspect of a trauma bond of when you go through something as traumatic as a plane crash. And the fact that Izzy was already afraid of flying. And so now you've added a plane crash to that. This guy rescues you. Like they get to the bank and then, you know, she has the complications and he ends up saving her life by making sure she gets the medical help she needs. I think anything beyond that is going to feel really intense so i think they probably would have still fallen in love because there was obviously a connection there prior to the plane crash but i don't know if it would have been as intense as it ends up being what about you i have to say i think i agree completely with you because i think they would have definitely like they would have like because they liked each other before the plane crash like they had the chemistry they had the banter Mm -hmm. i guess it would depend like what would happen wherever they landed where they landed like what happens there but i don't know like they still they had a connection so maybe again it wouldn't have been as intense or like as a longing maybe it would have been more like okay she's in new york and like she's thinking about him but it's not as paralyzing thinking Mm -hmm. of him and same with him but um i still think there there's something with them they would have ended up at least trying out something yeah I agree. Our next question. Was their love really just a trauma bond? Um, What do you think? I think it was an element for sure, but I don't think it was just that. Because again, like what we just said, like they had, it was clear they liked each other when they first met on the plane. And they had like a kind of flirty and like a little banter. Mm -hmm. So like, I don't think it was just a trauma bond. But again, like the need for each other was it was probably an element of that. Well, yeah, I I would agree. I feel like I think that that question kind of came out of also comparing this to the Magnolia Parks and, oh. you know, Magnolia and BJ. And so I think I, I would agree. I think the trauma of the plane crash was part of it. And probably intensified things, but it wasn't just that. Like they they built upon that. Um, and they there was like other things that they were doing to kind of grow their feelings in relationship. I would say them meeting before the crash and talking was like planting the seed. Mm-hmm. And then the plane crash was like a thunderstorm of water that burst it to life. 
And I thought you were going to say fertilizer. Fertilizer, water, all the lizers, everything. Everything needed to make a garden grow. And mm. then it was just uncontrollable. Um, But yeah, no, I agree. I Definitely trauma bond element, but I don't think it was solely that. Um, If Izzy had a serious talk with Nate and asked him not to go back to the military, would he have stayed? I don't think so. I don't either. I think that the military is all that Nate knew and that he wasn't in a place to leave that. Mm-hmm. And it was something he was, like, really good at and he was, like, committed mm-hmm. to. And I think there was a lot to do with his home life, too, that pushed him to want to join the military. Yeah. So, unfortunately, I don't think so. Yeah. I think when this would have potentially he would have been able to be willing or he would have been able to leave is in New York after Taurus dies. Mm-hmm. So when he like really dies and Nate goes to New York and proposes and Izzy's like, what's going on? Like you were supposed to meet me for this trip and you didn't show up. And now mm-hmm. you're like at my door proposing what's going on. Um, I think had she accepted the proposal and then had a conversation of, I want you to leave the military. I think he would have at that point before he joined the special forces unit but I think at the beginning of their relationship, had that been the conversation or even before Torres dies, I don't think he would have. Yeah, because what was it? It was like, I'm trying to think of their trips because it was like they ran into each other in that one place. Was it in Georgia? Tybee Island. Yeah. yeah on Tybee Island. And then their next trip, where was the Fiji was like the next time or he, did did he surprise her for her birthday first? So they they planned these set trips that were supposed to line up with his leave in the military. And mm-hmm. those were in like places with amazing beaches. So like Fiji, the Maldives, I think Peru potentially was one of them. Like and then the trips. Jesus. I know they sound phenomenal. Katie, should we go on a trip to Fiji in a bungalow? I mean, I don't know that I want to go in a bungalow with you but we get our own go. bungalows but it's connected okay. by like a, a like a little <laughs> pathway and we say okay that's fine that i was like fine. i don't want a romantic getaway with you you're <laughs> like, like not like that and it's like no <laughs> we're just going to like enjoy the water sure yeah i'm down oh. um and then outside of those trips there were things where like he surprised her for her birthday and came to, I think it's time she's living in New York, mm-hmm. uh, either New York or DC. And then she at one point found, finds out that his mom um, dies and she flies to the funeral and is there to support him during the funeral. And then I think at one point they're together for like Valentine's Day or something. So there are like random other touch points throughout their lives. And then the mm-hmm. trips are going to, are supposed to be like the long, like set, events where they're gonna see each other yeah um yeah because i don't think because i feel like she kind of touched the topic in fiji potentially Mm -hmm. a little bit without being asked stern and he didn't seem too like like it would have worked had she asked but we did find out i think wasn't it after fiji 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 (laughs) he decided like 
didn't he get the ring after that? And then it was mm-hmm. Taurus's death that really pushed him yeah. to be like, marry me. Um, yeah. Which will address that part in a later question. Because yeah. it's very layered, that situation, I feel like. Yeah, um, for sure. Much like this question, how does the love between Izzy and Nate compare to Magnolia and BJ? I think you should go first on this one. I think there's actually a lot of comparisons. There's a lot of similarities. I will say the main difference is Nate and Izzy weren't actively trying to hurt one another. They were very cautious with each other's feelings. So there is that. It didn't have... I would argue Nate and Izzy's dynamic was toxic given the distance and it just like the like connection and just like it really put a halt on I think Izzy's life in a lot of ways but I don't think it was because like a purposeful like oh I'm trying to like hurt your feelings or anything it was just like the unfortunate circumstances of like the job and like all that it was kind of like out of their control to a, a degree um however I do think Magnolia and BJ and Izzy and Nate were similar in a lot of ways as far as like that undying love and need for the other person and the like paralyzing feeling they get when they feel like they don't have that person either near them or if they feel like they're going to lose that person. And it's just kind of like the trauma bond also kind of like Izzy Nate has a plane crash. Magnolia and BJ had like absentee parents and they, pretty much grew up together and were each other's first. So like that bond in that way. Um, Yeah. Again, though, is he Nate far less toxic, (laughs) far less uh, that. Yeah. uh, I would say that, but what do you think, Katie? I would, uh, I would argue that Izzy and Nate do not have a toxic relationship, but that they do have a very complicated relationship because I think the difference for me is kind of what you touched on is that they're not actively trying to hurt one another. A lot of my issues with BJ and Magnolia is that there was this active desire to hate to to hurt each other and that almost seemed like they honestly just kind of hated each other but weren't willing to face that in a lot of ways between love and hate yeah it's it's very close they're both very intense feelings and so to me when i think of a love story i think of a love that is like izzy and nate where there's a sense of self-sacrifice and that they're both wanting what's best for the other. And they are both like actively caring for the other in the ways that they can. Like obviously they both have their own issues and their own you know, insecurities and the things that they're trying to deal with. You know, her family, their families are actually both very complicated. So to me, I would say that Izzy and Nate have an actual love. Whereas I feel like BJ and Magnolia, I would classify that probably more so as a trauma bond that they just can't break. Mm-hmm. I can so see that. that's that's kind of where I land with it. Yes, I can agree with that. Uh, essentially, yeah. 
I think Magnolia and PJ, it was love, but it it was like where we could say Izzy and Nate was like, let's say like 10 to 15% or 10 to 20% trauma bond, 80% love. BJ Magnolia, it was like 40% 10% love, 80% trauma bond. No, 40% trauma bond, 40% love, 20% hate. <laughs> that is not a love that I would want to be a part of. Well, no, I wouldn't that have wanted. That sounds terrible. Yeah, no, I wouldn't have wanted to be a part of that love. I don't think anyone would want that love. Oh, I, I should hope not. Because <laughs> <I hope laughs> that is, it's awful. Yeah. yeah. But, it, it, you know, they did have the same, like, elements with these two situations where it was like, Izzy would kind of try to move on, but, like, she couldn't really, like, nothing, no one really compared to Nate. Her feelings never mm-hmm. went away. And kind of yeah. with Magnolia, although some of the relationships were fake, there were some that kind of weren't, like, what was the guy's name? <clears throat> um, The pilot? I forget. I know. Tom. Tom. <laughs> Tom. I think Tommy. she really liked him and was getting feelings. But BJ was the one. So I hear you. I feel like the things that kept Izzy and Nate apart were things outside of their control. Whereas Magnolia and BJ, they were self-sabotaging their relationship over and over and over again. Yes. Whereas I don't think Izzy and Nate were self-sabotaging. Not as explicitly. Not self-sabotaging. They weren't toxic. But it was like, because he could have left the military. He could have. But that's also, that would be like someone asking me to leave accounting. Like, accounting is how I make my livelihood. And obviously, it's not the military, okay? But, like, that is what I have trained for, you know? (laughs) So I went to school for it. It's where I've been working Katie, you really, for the last like, almost 10 years. Our relationship, <laughs> you can't be using Excel this much. Like our, <laughs> our relationship, I'm too much. I can't move on with anyone else. I can't forget you. And it's because of your use of some if. Like <laughs> our relationship can't excel because you're too obsessed with other Excels. There you go. Your relationship <laughs> with Microsoft. <laughs> It's too strong. It's the other woman. I worry that you're going to lose feelings in your fingers from typing away. Oh, my gosh. But, I mean, the point still stands of, like, can you imagine someone being like, I need you to leave your entire career so that we can be together? Like, that's a big ask. It is a big ask. I mean, maybe not in the beginning, but I would say at the four-year mark, maybe. <laughs> maybe maybe maybe. Pro- maybe toss it on the table, you know? Like, maybe not an explicit ass, but, you know, put it out there. I feel like you just, because you're very, you're like, this is a traditional love story. Magnolia Parks is not. You won't accept the fact that there was love. And it's not, these, to me, these are two love stories. One is toxic. One is not and very traditional. But both are love. Like, they have love. Like, there's love. Okay. 
hated I mean, I, I, I still that. disagree because I don't think, like, I don't know, man. Like, I just don't think that you can actively actively choose to hurt someone the way that especially bj was choosing to hurt magnolia like i just with her best friend well even beyond that though like there's so many points where it was like this is active implicit or explicit like pain that he is inflicting upon her Mm -hmm. and i just i don't think that you can look at that and call that love Whereas, like, I think there's still pain that Nate was inflicting upon Izzy and Izzy upon Nate. But to me, like, that was more so a result of the situations that they found themselves in and being afraid to choose one another over the securities that the military brought for Nate and then for Izzy, the security that maybe she felt within her family. What do you think Izzy did to hurt Nate? I think not accepting him as he was. I think that there's a sense that Izzy kind of felt like the military was just a stopping point for Nate. And she wasn't willing to accept that that's who he was for a very long time. And so there's a sense that he she was trying to change him by getting him to change his career. But I think that part of that is because she saw what the military was doing to him mentally. Mm-hmm. I could see that. I wouldn't say that's hurting him, though. I think that there's there's hurt that comes with a partner not fully accepting you for who you are. Like, I think you should always want your partner to be better. and You want to help them be better. But you still have to accept them for who they are. I don't think she ever didn't accept him. I think, and with him, he was very cognizant. He, like, wouldn't tell her anything about the military. He never wanted to tell her anything. But there was even other things he would kind of try to keep from her, and he wanted it, like, separate. He made it a point to be like, I want this separate. Like, this is my life here. That's my life there. But meanwhile, she was sharing all about her life and her job and her career. And I think it was just a part she just wanted to, like, know him more but he had that com- he was very good at compartmentalizing which is why he was so good in the military that's very true but i feel like guys tend to have a tendency guys tend to have a tendency guys tend guys to do tend that. to have tendencies to tend to do <laughs> things <laughs> guys tend to kind of keep things very separate and like so many of my guy friends and even guys that I've dated, it's like pulling teeth to get them to communicate. And I, to me, like, I think it's just compartmentalization. Yeah. So I don't know how much of that is Nate as a, like, I think that's just kind of how Nate was raised to be. So I don't think he was like intentionally keeping things from her. He was in some cases because he had to, right? But that was just kind of his like MO. He was like, I I share the parts of you that involve you, but then the parts that don't involve you, I just don't share because it doesn't involve you. Not saying it's right, Mm -hmm. but I think it's not, even with that, like, I don't think he's trying to actively hurt her in that. I don't think he's trying to hurt her, no. Oh, okay. I thought that's what, I thought that was the point that you were making. Apologies. No. Well, because you were saying, because you had said, like, Izzy about 
Izzy and Nate hurting each other. And I just don't think maybe there was one moment Izzy hurt him, which we'll get to. But I don't think she really did. I think not accepting his military or like being like, hey, maybe you find something that won't kill you. I don't think that hurt him because I don't even think he barely liked that. I think he knew he was good at the military. Right. But I don't think it was something he was like, I love this more than anything. Mm. I mean, you don't have to love your career more than anything. That's what he's good at. That's true. I love accounting more than anything. (laughs) No, you don't. Um, (laughs) You You love accounting like BJ loves Magnolia. Uh, no, because I think BJ loves Magnolia more than I love. Her. <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. I don't know about that. I think he might. Uh, I mean, <laughs> next question. I think this one is kind of piggybacking off of what we were just talking about. Do you think Nate was giving Izzy mixed signals by saying he wanted her to live life and move on? while simultaneously surprising her on her birthday and professing his love for her. I think this is layered, and I don't think it's like a fuckboy thing or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's necessarily even that toxic, per se. I just think, with him, to say, I want you to move on, I want you to do all this, da 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 da, and you can't fall in love with me. That was one thing he like said. Oh, you can't fall in love with me because when she did fall in love with him and told him, he was like, "No, you can't," and like all this stuff. But it's like you know how she feels about you. You know the feelings. You know the feelings you have for her. So it's just kind of like, I don't know. I get it, but I'm also like, it's like talking out of both sides of your mouth, which. I kind of get given their circumstances, but it's like, I want you to move on and like, don't wait for me. But also I'm going to surprise you for your birthday and tell you how much I love you and all this stuff. It's just kind of like, okay, well, what is she supposed to do with that? You know what I mean? Like, I get it again. I get it. But I'm also like, yeah, it's like complicated. Yeah. Well, their relationship is very complicated. Yes. I think what this like specifically this this stuff comes down to is more so Nate feeling like he's not good enough for Izzy. That's true. So I think him telling her, don't wait for me. You need to move on. I think that that is coming from a sense of inferiority on his part. Like, I don't oh, think no. it really has anything to do with Izzy. And I think that's a... That kind of goes back to his childhood, right? Like, we find out that, like, his dad is just a horrible person mm-hmm. and beat his mom and beat him as a kid and, you know, all of this stuff. And so I think he's just been put down for so long that he didn't see his own worth. And so then here comes Izzy and she's from a very well-to-do family and, you know, she's going to law school and she has all these connections and she's just this, like, bright shiny you know sunshine in his life and so he simultaneously wants her to be in his life and wants to love her for her to love him but then also struggles with this sense of inferiority and feels like he's not good enough to be in her world and to be with her and so I think 
him telling her to move on is coming from that. Mm-hmm. Whereas in him showing up and, you know, surprising her and doing all these really thoughtful things for her, I think is him trying to prove himself to uh, prove, really prove to himself that, you know, he's worthy of her. So I, I think it comes across as mixed signals because, you know, you're to your point, you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. So yeah, I, I think it, I think it is mixed signals, but I don't think that it's meant to manipulate Izzy. Mm -hmm. I think that it's Nate trying to work out kind of his own shit. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I agree. He felt like she was deserved to end up with, a dick face. Oh, what, was his name? <laughs> what was his actual name? Was it Jeremy or something? It was Jeremy, yeah. Gosh, of course I, it was a Jeremy. Yeah. yeah. I just love that Nate's like, don't tell me his name. His name is Dickface. <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised. Not surprised, but I don't think I made the connection exactly that the fiance Jeremy was the same one that like left her mm-hmm. in college. It took me Yeah. But then I was like, oh, snap. Yeah, because obviously, like, she had a really deep desire to, like, please her parents. And, you know, in in the hopes that they would accept her as she was. And, Mm -hmm. you know, which I think also might play into a little bit of my theory about how Izzy wasn't fully accepting of who Nate was. Because her parents were really never fully accepting of who she was and what she wanted in life. Yeah, I could see that. I also saw it as her liking Nate or like her kind of desiring for him. It's like she's attracted to someone who's not fully accessible. Ooh. And it's like with her parents, like it was kind of like trying to win their love. With Jeremy was probably to an extent trying to like win his love or affection and then, or like, just maybe, maybe in college, we don't have too much details about their college life. I don't know so much about yeah. when they got engaged, even though she did accept him cheating and everything like that for an extent. Yeah, I think with Jeremy, I don't think it was ever really about Jeremy. I think it was about trying to please her parents. Yeah, like this kind of this idea that like, if I finally do the things that they're telling me that they want me to do. Will they finally accept me and love me the way that I want them to? Yeah. And, you know, in the midst of that, she kind of lost sight of herself. Mm. Um, But I think it's very interesting, this idea of loving someone who's unattainable. Because, again, I think it points back to her relationship with her parents where they didn't show up for her. I mean, they didn't even come home from their cruise when she was in a freaking plane crash. <laughs> like, that was wild. I felt so bad. Crazy, I'm like, really? Y'all? Crazy. So I think there is this sense of of we see the impacts of both of their childhoods on how they love one another. Yes. I agree completely. Um, what's the next? So I can I'll do this one. Um, well, actually, let me, let's do the last one and we'll come back to this one. Okay. Okay. So was, this is a two-part question. Was Izzy right to turn down Nate's proposal? And what would you have done in that situation? Do you want to go or do you want me to go? You go ahead. 
Um, okay. Was Izzy right to turn it down? I mean, I think a little bit, given the situation. Because I think she wasn't... I'm going to play semantics like her. (laughs) It wasn't she was, like, flat out, like, no, get away or anything like that. It was, like, you're kind of freaking me out. Like, you're not acting like yourself. And you're telling me about your friend that just died. And you're just showing up. And you're kind of rambling. And you're not making much sense. And you're not in the right frame of mind. Like, I can't, like, what's going on? Like, I think she was just trying to, like, break through to him in that moment Mm -hmm. and be, like what is happening and he wasn't really willing to hear it at that point because he was going through the fact that now we know it was Torres who died his best friend and just like he wasn't able to process that and he wasn't being fully himself and it kind of freaked her out a little bit and she probably did have an idea in her head like when this day would happen or when this would happen it wouldn't happen like this and he would be like cognizant and not acting like this so, I uh, I think she should. I mean, I mean, I guess had she done it, he would have been. It's not like they would have regretted getting engaged because mm-hmm. they loved each other. So I guess to an extent, she could have just accepted it. But I do understand why she didn't. And in this situation, um, I probably would have done the same thing. Like I don't know, just like try to be like, are you okay? Like, what's going on here? Like, you're not being yourself. And, like, clearly you're going through something with your friend. Like, I don't know. I I probably would have done something similar. I don't know if I would have been like, oh, yes, please take my hand in marriage and all this. If you show up and you're just like, oh, my God, do you want to marry me? Like, this is crazy. My friend just died. Ah." And, like, all this stuff. So, I don't know. But what about you, Katie? I think given the circumstance and how young she was... I think she probably did make the right choice. They are but very I, young. I keep they're forgetting. Very young when they this, met, yeah, they like were early only 20s. 18. Right. Which like jarred me because he was reading a book and he was, I thought they were like late 20s because he was like reading books that people say to read before <laughs> you're 30. Reading. I'm like, what? And then he was reading, it was like into thin air. I was just like, oh my God. Which I, I have no, idea. I've never even heard of this book. They had to read it for high school. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, they're very young in this book, which I think yeah. can be easily forgotten. So I think I understand why I understand why Izzy made the decision that she did. I still think it was a mistake because to the point of it, you're just getting engaged. Like you're not That's getting true. married and you could have to kind of, again, I'm saying this, you know, as someone who is not in her early 20s anymore i probably would have accepted to help him calm down and then would have like all right let's sit down and talk through what's going on and you also have to keep in mind she had just gone on this trip where he Mm -hmm. did not show up did not call her you know he'd always been really good at keeping his promises to her and when he wasn't able to show up he somehow communicated that to her and so he just presumably ghosts her for a couple of days and she kind of freaks out her parents end up coming into town and so her dad is there and sierra is there and so there's it's a very emotional situation so i do understand why she made the decision but i do think she made the wrong decision because had she just said yes then they could have moved forward and kind of figured stuff out and 
possibly gotten him the help that he needed a lot sooner. I would argue she made the right decision because they ended up together. Oh, yeah, they did. But they could have ended Uh, up together sooner. But then we wouldn't have gotten the Afghanistan situation. I mean, she might have still had to go and get Sierra. Serena. Serena. I don't know why I want to call her Sierra. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, Serena. uh, Serena. Sierra. (laughs) Yeah. She might have still had to go get her. So, I mean, who knows? Yeah, that is true. But, yeah. Would you, if you had a sibling that was in that situation, would you go and get them? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I also... We wouldn't have, like, the means to do that, right? Like, if either one of our siblings were, like, a photojournalist. Very, like, like, job. Yeah, like, how would I even get to Afghanistan to find them? Right, because Izzy was really only able to because she was, like, in the politics. And it was, like, part of the team that was going. And she was able to, like, finagle her way in it. Yeah, she was a senator's aide. Yeah. So she was able to do that. But yeah, it was like it's like a very unique set of circumstances. Very. I was very much and then also like, I don't know, Serena being like, I have to stay to take photos. Like, I'm like, I kind of get it, but I'm like, Well, that's not why she was staying. She was staying because her interpreter didn't have his visa yet. That was one of the reasons. She gave a few. (laughs) I would say both i would say most of the characters in this story have some kind of savior complex yes that is very true i would yeah yeah. izzy probably even though she flew to save serena i would say izzy has the least but they still have a very present savior complex um for sure okay so this one yeah, I'll do. I'll read this one because I have. There's multiple questions within this. I was gonna say. I see you added some within it. <laughs> I did. Okay. So the first question is, how did you feel about finding out that Torres was not in fact alive and part of the unit? I was definitely shook. I will say when it first, because how we kind of find out is when Serena came back to the plane with her interpreter and reunited with Izzy. Um, it was Nate's team that helped save her and he gave her like the ring and the dog tag he would keep taped to himself and that's when she saw the dog tag was Taurus and that's when she put together like oh that was his best friend that died Mm -hmm. because before she didn't know exactly now when I read this I thought I was like hasn't he been talking to Taurus but then I was like there was a few different names and I didn't Mm -hmm. really like get to like really know who each of like the friends or the other people in the unit were and there were just different names and also they had like code names Mm -hmm. like it was a lot of names going on and i was just like maybe i don't know like i'm not sure because he's been talking to a couple people so like but i think that is it was like was taurus dead this whole time and he's just been talking to himself and then it was confirmed especially when he went to the um was it a psychiatrist yeah, I think therapist, so. Something. Yeah. And he was like, um, I've been talking to my dad best friend. So I was like, oh yes, okay, so it is. Um, I was definitely shook because mm-hmm. I think wasn't Taurus quote unquote there after he proposed to Izzy? Yeah, so he was in the car 
But yeah, so after Nate proposes, he goes back to his car and you know, Lizzie turns him down. He's really distraught. He goes back to the car and gets in the car and he starts talking to Torres because Torres is in the front seat. And so you just think Torres is there with him, making these decisions with him, you know, there to kind of bounce things off of him. But I will say Torres is the only last name that gets said. The whole the rest of the the special forces unit all have code names that are colors. So mm-hmm. Nate's is is green. It's like green and gold and maroon and like all of this stuff. But anytime Torres is mentioned, it's just Torres. So yeah. and no one talks to Torres except for Nate, which obviously like hindsight being 2020 should have been a giveaway, but it wasn't because I just figured he was using Torres because they were friends and everyone else would just have used the code name. Mm-hmm. I was very sad. It it made me very sad. Um, oh, cried. Yeah, I cried. Mainly just because it was just like Nate must have been feeling just so abandoned and alone throughout that whole thing. And the fact that he's like carrying this weight with him. Because he held a lot of guilt because the way that Torres died is that Torres like stepped in front of a snake and got bit, like stepped in front of Nate and got bit by a snake and then refused to tell anybody about the snake bite, thinking like it was going to be fine. Um, But he ended up going into, I don't remember exactly what happened, but he ended up dying from it because he know like he made Nate promise not to tell anybody and then he didn't tell anybody. And yeah. eventually the snake venom is what killed him. And so Nate holds this like guilt because of that, because the snake presumably was headed towards Nate, you know. Um, so the question that kind of goes out of that is, do you think that Nate's hesitancy about getting help was solely a result of the military stances on mental health? Um. I think so, yeah, because a big part of it, wasn't it, like, he didn't want to, like, be looked at any sort of way or just kind of, like, if it was found out that something was wrong or that he was looking into it, they wouldn't allow him to advance or so, yeah. or think he, was, he wasn't, like, mentally healthy enough to advance in it. So I definitely think that was the reason. I think also the guilt... I think him maybe not wanting Torres to go or accepting that. He was probably finding solace in talking to him, even though he was dead. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I think it was a bunch of things. I think ultimately, which ultimately why kind of Torres died was he didn't want to be seen like as, or he didn't want anything like it to be seen that he was like physically not fit to go or advance because he got bit by the snake and had to get checked out. And if anything else happened, so I think so. Do you think that there was any impact that came from like society's stance on men seeking mental help? Um, I could imagine there may be an element of that for sure. I think too, a lot of it is his battle with himself of not wanting to be like his father. Mm-hmm. Because his father was very mentally unwell and just was angry and, like, abusive. And we definitely know Nate had a side to him that could get angry and, like, a quote-unquote dark side that, like, I mean, when he would get, like, mad at, like, 
awful people. I would say he never really, like, showed that to anyone. Like, he never showed it to Izzy or, like, just got mad out of nowhere. Except for the one time, which I think was a result of the military when, like, she accidentally, like, startled him um, waking up. And then he, like, jumped on top of her and, like, was about to choke her. And mm-hmm. she was just kind of like, I mean, like, it's fine. Like, I, I kind of startled you. I know you're in the military and, like, all that. Like, I could have figured, like, I wake up kind of crazy, too, sometimes from the trauma of everything. And, like, you didn't yeah. hurt me. But he was always afraid of hurting her. Um, So, yeah, I think that could play an element as far as, like, it's not as accepted, I think, for men to, like, seek mental health mm-hmm. and, like, help with that. Um, But I think mostly... It was like the military and not wanting that to come to the end or accept what happened to Taurus. Yeah, I would agree. I think a lot of it was his fear that prevented him from doing that. And so like you think within the military and this is all he knows. And so to step outside of that is a very scary thing that he wasn't ready to face. And the only way that he could ensure he could stay in it is to not seek help and to find a way to cope within himself, which looks like, you know, having these, I don't know if it would be classified as like a hallucination, um, you know, of Torres. So I do think maybe aside from the military stuff, because obviously that was a big part of like special forces, I don't think he necessarily would have gotten kicked out of the military completely i think he would have just been reassigned something outside of the special forces unit mm-hmm. and, you know had he sought help at the time that it happened i agree too and because like also because his thing he just like kept wanting to go up and up because he was so good and then also i think wasn't taurus like a big reason why he was joining the special forces because taurus wanted yeah. to and he wanted to be with him and stuff like that um yeah yeah i agree do you think izzy should have gone to therapy yes (laughs) yeah i um so i recently learned um because i i think i've told you this i started going to therapy recently and it's just been yeah it's it's like not full-on therapy it's called counseling but it's like kind of leading into therapy just because I've like realized some stuff about my own self. And so I recently learned that um, what like codependency looks like. And a lot of it is like um, needing to take care of or um, like fix things for other people. And so I think Izzy probably has a lot of codependent tendencies as well with her parents and so I think her relationship with her parents and her relationship with Nate both would have benefited from her going to therapy and kind of figuring some of that stuff out I agree because I was just thinking I was like should she have waited for Nate like because it really was like her life was put on pause and she was like paralyzed and she couldn't think of anything else and it was almost like she wasn't living her life completely when Nate was gone I'm like should she have ditched him but and then when she did eventually she kind of ended up with dick face and then ended up trying to appease <laughs> her parents so I'm like I think ultimately she should have went to therapy and delved into yeah. those issues like you said and like the yeah. codependency and stuff like that as well yeah. so and maybe still waited for Nate but also had the therapy because her and Nate I think were did 
were meant to be and they did have mm-hmm. a happily ever after you know yeah i don't like i think in certain aspects nizzy nizzy oh my gosh in certain <laughs> aspects izzy <laughs> was putting her life on hold but not completely right she still went to school she still got a job she was still actively participating in life she just wasn't moving on in a like romantic she had like her emotional life on pause or like yeah like romantic or even like i think also too like yeah career-wise and school-wise she was doing it but i feel like she was always like very worried about him yeah, but I think a lot of the stuff that maybe is perceived as her waiting is also just her personality. She doesn't strike me as someone who would like want to go out and party all the time. Yeah, no. So I think she would stay home because she's just a homebody. But there was also that sense of I'm not going to like actively seek out a relationship because she had relationships. They didn't last long. But she would at least get to the point of being in them with multiple people. And so I think there's a sense where she was really trying to and she was still living her life in other aspects. It was just that kind of like that romantic life that she just wasn't able to ever move past Nate, Um, which like, can you blame her? That man sounds gorgeous. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. I, I still like I can kind of visualize them, but I just like. I don't know. I need I need to see who would be casted as Nate. Like, what? That's fair. Because it was kind of like, some of it was kind of like, oh, they sound gorgeous. But also, some of the banter was a little lame. <laughs> well, as a military guy, he's probably will, had a few concussions. I'm always going like... to protect you, Izzy Aster. Yeah, that sounds romantic until it's overbearing. And then you're like, okay. Okay, Nate. I just need you to like take a step back. We are not in a war zone. We're literally just in the room. And yes, I have an engagement ring on, but let's forget about that real quick. (laughs) (laughs) It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, No, I I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, That was all our questions. Do you have any more that you can think of? No, I'm not off the top of my head. I do still think it's really funny that I preferred this story and then you preferred Magnolia Parks. So Oh yes. Didn't you have a theory that ties to our childhood? <laughs> I do have a theory. <laughs> Let's um you know Katie's gonna present Katie present this theory. Why don't you Okay, I'm ready. So this came about at uh at lunch last week when before Beetlejuice. Um we realized that Brandon's parents have a very strong relationship with one another that was very low in conflict. And so I, in contrast, had parents who had a very high conflict uh, relationship. Both sets of our parents love each other a lot and are have been married for a very long time. Like my parents are coming up on like, like 45 years. I don't know what how long have your parents been married, Brandon? How long? I want to say around the same. Like they were married in the eighties. Yeah, so I, think- I think my parents were got married in like seventy eight. I think. Yeah. So, um, like both sets of parents married for a very long time, but mine is high conflict. Brandon's is low conflict, and so Brandon is more drawn to stories that I are would opposite say mid conflict. Their love language can be conflict, but it's never like oh, 
It's just how they are. <laughs> yeah, whereas my parents are high conflict. And so I seek out and enjoy love stories that are the opposite of that. So even though Izzy and Nate had conflict, there was this underlying sense of like, they are committed to each other and they are going to be together. And it's like that warm and fuzzy. Whereas Magnolia and BJ, there's a lot of drama. There's a lot of conflict there. And so it's like the opposite of what we each had growing up. You know, yeah, I could see this theory. I I accept this theory. Um, I think with BJ and Magnolia, the thing with them, and I was telling you this last weekend, I just feel like we really got a look into their psyche from the jump. What they were feeling, all their emotions, how they felt about one another. Like, we were in their minds, in their perspectives, and it was so easy to, like, kind of cling to it and see what was happening and kind of, like, grow attached to it. It also heavily leaned on that, like, desire of a person that's, like, can be toxic, but it's just, like, I just want this person around me and the feeling mm-hmm. of comfortability around that person. With Izzy and Nate, and I think I said this too to you, I just felt, like, for a long time it was very, like, surfacy and kind of just, like, it took me a minute to get into their love story. I think the moment I did was, I think it was when they were going to Fiji. And, like, he was waiting on the plane, and then she showed up kind of, like, late, but she showed up. And she was, he was like, you look like you've been crying. She said, I have been. I had to break up with someone. And he was like, oh, like, you don't have to. Like, you can go back to them. And then she said something like, the thing is, though, I liked him, but I'd rather spend one week with you than the rest of my life with him. And that's that's where I was kind of like, it was good. And I was just like okay I'm in this now like I got it like I think that was like midway Mm -hmm. through the book too which kind of makes sense I would say for like building up something and like getting into something yeah I would also say that the conflict the conflicts in Izzy and Nate's relationship were primarily caused by external factors whereas Magnolia and BJ didn't really have any external factors to create conflict in their relationship. So they created conflict in their relationship, which I think is just a maybe just a point of the fact that they were so young versus Izzy and Nate. Like Izzy and Nate met when they were young, but because of their life experiences, there's a maturity there that is just not present with magnolia and bj and so i feel like magnolia and bj created the conflict where izzy and nate it just happened and then they had to figure it out i would argue that it was though on the surface it may look external with izzy and nate all in all much like every life decision if we really dive into it all everyone's conflict bj magnolia nate and izzy were all internal Because Nate could have left the military, but he didn't want to because of, like, internal struggles with himself and, like, his family life and, like, feeling like it was something he was good at, wanting to protect Izzy. Because one of the things he was saying, like, oh, me working here shows that you're going to be safe over there or something. It was, like, an internal battle with himself. Same with Izzy's thing of kind of, like, 
longing to be with someone that was so unattainable as her parents were very emotionally unattainable and just like trying to maneuver like that and all those situations with bj magnolia it was very internal like yeah they could have left each other but they did have the same friend group and there's that comfortability with it and it's just the trauma bond from being bonded at such a young age it would internally feel very uncomfortable to leave that and to like it's all rooted in essentially i would argue yes nathan is he's is more external he's literally far away and he's in the military and could die but he also could leave the military but a lot of times he wouldn't and like it's always and that was due to his internal issues Okay. It all stems with internal. But yeah, Nate and Izzy were more <laughs> But Right. And I still feel like Magnolia and BJ were actively causing the issues in their relationship. We could I argue just, so we're I... Nate and Izzy. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, it's a little more cookie cutter, but. I do think it's also magnolia and bj stay in a very juvenile place because they are very young yes whereas you kind of see the maturity come in with izzy and nate because by the time they reconnect they're older they've had more life experience they um, kind of had to grow so, up or bj magnolia right really. right and really won't ever have to grow up because of the society that they operate within that's true. Like they don't Unless have we, to we have got jobs. some more books to read with that one. You never know. Yeah, never that's know. true. But um, I would like to point out, um, look, I know like the numbers don't show that we're getting an insane amount of listens, but it seems like the right people are listening because it's very interesting that, you know, we recently covered Fourth Wing and then we recently just did Magnolia Parks and within days of each other. Amazon announces they're making a fourth wing series. A24 announces they're making a series about Magnolia Parks where it's supposed to be like Gossip Girl. Look, I'm excited. I'm excited about both of these things, but I just need these production companies to know that I know they're listening and they can sponsor us. They can give us a show like they can promote us like it's you true. don't you don't have to be afraid like we're open to this. We're ready. We are influencers. Yes. Um, We influence reading in girl math. (laughs) Um, uh, With that being said, so that was one of our questions, and that was pretty much the book. But Katie, you know, overall thoughts, and who do you want to give a... um, Who do you want to give? Who do you want to get a coffee with? And what would you rank this out of one to five lattes? I would give this a four out of five. I really enjoyed this book. Like I said, this book is exactly what I wanted out of it. I wanted a fluffy romance that was predictable and that just kind of felt cozy. Like there's conflict, but you know the conflict's going to get resolved. And it's it felt like rewatching one of my favorite shows, you know? So I give this a four out of five for that reason. I think that I would get a coffee be with Torres. That could be really interesting. Um, but I would say like the Torres as in the one that Nate has been talking to. The ghost. 
Yes. Like, I want to know, like, what is his interpretation of, like, Nate's psyche? What is your fictional interpretation? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. What about you? What do you you rate it? I like those. Um, Okay, so I would give it, again, overall, I like the book. There were elements that I was just, like, meh with, but overall, it was a good, solid book. I really like Rebecca Yaros. I think she's a great writer. And, like, she writes well, and, like, it's very easy to read, too. Like, it's not overly complicated. Um, I'd give it, like, a 3.8 out of 5. Solid number. Because, again, I liked it. I enjoyed it. It just wasn't my favorite. But it was good. And I liked it. And it took me a minute to get into it. But I did like it. If I have to get a coffee with anyone, who am I getting a coffee with? You have to get a coffee. (laughs) If I I had to get a coffee with anyone. had to get a coffee with someone. Who would it be? Um, Good question. Um, You know what? I'd get a coffee with Nate because I need to see what he looks like. Because I just can't (laughs) visualize it. And um, I would want to talk about, since we have a book club podcast, I want to talk about what books he's reading. Oh, I bet he would give us some great recommendations. And I would ask him, did you really enjoy Into Thin Air? (laughs) Did you? (laughs) I feel like you're lying. Again, I have no idea what this book is about. Should that be our next book? So we know what it is that he read? No. <laughs> we don't need to do uh, that. Oh, try. You, you don't want to bring that trauma back into your life? No, you know, I'm good on that one. So now back. So Brandon, your pick is next for the book that we're going to cover. Are you ready to tell us what it is? Yes. Yeah, so for my pick this week, you know, I was going back and forth. Like, it, I was kind of stressing out. I was like, what am I going to pick? Because if you would have asked me a couple weeks ago... I would have picked Daisy Hates because I was really in the Magnolia Parks universe mindset. And you know what? I'm still open to that being a future book. But um, I do think we need a little bit more time. And I think I wanted to pick something that we had discussed possibly covering in the past. And I think it goes back to a book we've read before. Maybe even a couple books. It depends. But the book we're going to be covering next is The Perfect Marriage by Geneva Rose. Now that is a you, name. It's a name. Very pretty. But um if you read the description or know anything about this book, it's very um I like to say silent patient coded. It mm-hmm. gave me those vibes. It could potentially have rock, paper, scissors vibes as well. But um, you know, it's been a minute, I feel like, since we've read a kind of more thriller or like murdery book and like with a fucked up relationship dynamic like that so i'm excited we're leaving the love stories and going into the suspense and i'm here for it um so stay tuned for that next week's going to be our fourth coffee break but the week after that we're going to be talking about the perfect marriage So with that being said, thank y'all so much for listening. Make sure to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Give us a review like that one review we had that we covered (laughs) on the last pod. We welcome all reviews. Um, Also, rank us five stars on Spotify, and we're available anywhere else you listen to podcasts. 
You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok at the Literary Latte Podcast. And if you want to send us an email with any questions, comments, concerns, book recommendations, we are at the Literary Latte Podcast at gmail.com. And with that being said, thank y'all so much. Talk to you later. Bye. Goodbye. Mm-hmm.